Welcome to episode 141 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic, and I want to talk about T-Mobile and fiber. T-Mobile did conduct a pilot in New York City and way back in 2021, trialing a fiber service, and now... They have rolled it out in two places in Colorado, Pueblo, which is very close to where I own a little bit of property in Southern Colorado, as well as North Glen. And New York is their third market for their fiber service. And pricing for 500 megabit appears to be 55 a month. So it's very closely priced to its 5G FWA service. They are offering one, one gigabyte, but there's no pricing available on that. It's got me thinking... In the past, when I've spoken with T-Mobile, they've always put a fiber as a commodity. That's because clearly they weren't investing in it like, like AT&T is. But this could have further reaching effects with respect to its, its mobile 5G deployment. You need fiber for critical backhaul. And one of the challenges as T-Mobile does grow its fixed wireless access service is it will need access to backhaul. I've dug into this a little bit further. Obviously, T-Mobile is not building out a fiber network on its own. It's likely partnering with companies that own fiber assets, dark fiber assets, those sorts of things. But this is interesting. And I think it potentially, not only can they monetize this, have it as a supplemental offering to its 5G FWA service, which I am using in Bastrop, but it could also serve as backhaul. And I'm wondering, I'm sure you probably caught this news. And if you did, what are your insights? Now that I'm no longer strobing or very strobing very lightly, I actually looked into this a little bit because I heard about this announcement as well. I was curious. Yeah. And it seems as though they actually are partnering with two companies. Um, they've actually announced who they're partnering with less than 24 hours ago. So this is still fairly fresh news. Yeah. They said that they're partnering with Pilot Fiber in New York and intrepid fiber in Colorado. Yeah. So clearly they're not the ones actually building out the infrastructure, but they are essentially reselling this fiber service, taking it wholesale and reselling it as a T-Mobile branded product. And the name recognition can actually help quite a bit. I currently live in a place where I can choose between AT&T fiber and Google fiber, even though I believe it's the exact same infrastructure. So. It, it's very interesting. I don't think that this approach will necessarily supplement the T-Mobile 5G network in the way that AT&T's fiber is. Yeah. But I do think that it will give T-Mobile more options to sell different types of services to customers. Because realistically, in these areas where fiber is available, I think T-Mobile would much rather customers use fiber than fix wireless. So yeah, yeah. I think that's really what it is. I think they want to have as much access to as many types of connectivity as possible and make the best option available to that customer. Yeah, no, it's, I think you're spot on. Certainly from a capacity standpoint, New York makes sense. Now, Pueblo, you know, in this other town in Southern Colorado, it's not a major metropolitan area. But, but yeah, I think your insights are sound. This does release some pressure and congestion off, off of its license spectrum that it's deploying within FWA. But it'll be interesting to see how this sort of all rolls out. But if they're successful with it, and I agree, if it's T-Mobile branded 
for these more regional broadband service providers. It could really lift what they're doing, like you said, like a wholesale or a private label scenario. But it's interesting, and uh, we'll continue to monitor that. And uh, as updates come, we'll share those on future podcasts. But let's move to your first topic. And I did catch this news this week. So you want to talk about AT&T and Verizon. And they voluntarily have agreed to the deployment from a full power perspective with C-Ban. And you want to talk about that. Yeah, so it's actually AT&T, Verizon, U.S. Cellular, and T-Mobile, because they're all essentially using this spectrum. And they sent a letter to the FCC saying that they agreed to the voluntary commitments related to air traffic safety and the deployment of the C-band spectrum. So they'll be following all the rules that are necessary, but they will be actually committing to full power transmission, no longer half power, which will actually probably help me in San Diego because we have an airport downtown. I live downtown, so I'll probably get better signal on mid-band now. And ultimately, this is one of those things where altimeters are actually the biggest impedance here, not to make a joke about resistance and radio signals, but I think that ultimately this was a an issue for old aircraft and really wasn't an issue for new aircraft. And the airlines really didn't want to deal with it. And it seems there's 188 airports where this where these efforts are in. And I think that this will probably end up being just another bump on the road for 5G. But I think it will be important for the availability of 5G services and, yeah. and the network build out because it's 188 airports. That's a lot of land. And a lot yeah. of, it's not just the airport. It's like, I think it's five miles around the airport, something like that. So it is, yeah. there's a lot of low income areas that are underserved around these airports because you know, metropolitan areas like to build airports where the land is cheap, which tends to be poorer neighborhoods. But yeah, this is a this is something that actually happened on Friday after we published our last podcast. But you know, the news slowly trickled out and now everybody's aware of it. It's a really big development because I think it finally puts to arrest the whole C-band aviation interference issue with altimeters. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we can just move on and start focusing on standalone and enabling cool, interesting applications of 5G with aviation, which I will be talking about later. You will. Yeah. And there are some really cool applications for, for airport deployments there. Hopefully we can quit whipping this horse to death. <laughs> this is probably the eighth or 10th time that we've talked about it on the podcast, but it's good news. And certainly C-band for Verizon is very strategic because they had very little mid-band assets prior to spending the 40 something billion dollars that they did on it. And so they need to get that deployed with full power sooner versus later, to your point. To, to provide better coverage and performance. Just one but correction. Yeah. They spent $52.9 billion with oh. incentive payments, clearing costs, and spectrum licenses. Wow. I didn't catch that. So e- even a bigger price tag. So yeah, it behooves them to get that those assets uh, deployed ASAP. Let's move to my second topic this week. And our friends at 5G Americas, Chris Pearson and Viet, they've published some numbers around, around 5G And the headline here is that based on where we're at today and where things are headed, that they're predicting that by 2027, we could hit nearly 6 billion 5G subscribers. And the question that always comes to my mind, and we've talked about subscribers and pops and that sort of thing in the past, is are things on track? Just a little to delve into the numbers a little bit deeper. North America had a total of about 120 million 5G connections at the end of 2022. Our friend Chris at 5G Americas, basically from his perspective, 
He feels that things are definitely on track. In an article, I believe this was light reading, and it's data that comes from Omdia. They're indicating that 455 million global 5G connections were added in 2022. Overall, those figures represent a 14% sequential quarterly growth from 922 million in Q3 of last year to almost, well, over a billion in Q4 of 2022. So by all measures, things seem to be on track. We've talked about this. You need the device support. That's happening at all the different frequency bands. But what's your take? I have thought about this a little bit. And I'm not sure whether I agree with this number or not. Okay. Mostly because I do feel like if we were just talking smartphones, I think 6 billion is wrong. But if we're talking other 5G services... Outside or sensors, the smartphone. or sensors, and that's my assumption. Yeah, yeah, because it says five G subscribers. It depends. I guess it depends what you define to be the subscription, because yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of five G services out there that aren't a subscription, but are actually like a service where you bundle connectivity with analytics and a bunch of other stuff and hardware. So it gets a little murky. But if, I think maybe if we're talking five G connections, yes, yeah, six billion by twenty twenty seven. I think that's possible. But okay. 5G subscribers as smartphone users, I'm not sure about that one. So that's interesting that you bring that up because yeah, so within the enterprise, if you're looking at a solution that includes IoT, a subscriber could represent multiple connections. Robot be a subscriber? Yeah, who knows? But yeah, that's interesting. And I I didn't dig super deeply into the report. That might be some homework to surface the issue that you're bringing up there, but but anyway, with that said, let's talk about your 5G use case, right? It's Lockheed Martin. Yeah, so this is a continuation of something we've been talking about with Lockheed Martin. They've been talking about their 5G.mil ecosystem, which is like their platform for how they're going to enable the Department of Defense to leverage next generation connectivity to enable 21st century military applications. And this 5G.mil was demonstrated as the core platform for a network-enabled network analytics for readiness 5G initiative called NEAR, which the Department of Defense loves making those acronyms. Man, that's um, a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> and they basically took portable devices to provide complete flight data recordings and AI-driven predictive maintenance and sensor data analytics following yeah. the landing of an aircraft. And by doing so, Lockheed said that they were able to make faster decision-making and be able to maintain and get the right experts in place to fix issues and ahead of time and basically anticipate what might need to be replaced on the plane before yeah. it needs replacing. And that's just one of those things where so much of keeping a plane in the air is about the logistics of maintaining it. And whenever we were talking about the war in, in Ukraine and how Russia was struggling to keep its planes in the air, one of the biggest reasons was just a lack of parts. Maintenance is a key component to operational readiness. And if 5G is going to enable that, it's a really interesting application. And the thing is that Lockheed Martin has already worked with operators like AT&T for 5G high-speed data transfers. We actually think, I think we talked about that one in the podcast. 
Yeah. But this near system builds off of that earlier and helps pull that data and do quicker analysis of the air, airplane sensor data. And I, it's really cool to see this kind of slowly progressing. And I think this application is really reasonable. There's so much data that yeah. needs to get pulled off these aircraft. And I think this applies to pretty much any high use, large, large scale aircraft because aircraft are such complex machines. Yeah, they're some of the most complex things we've ever built as human beings. And I think keeping those things safe and operational is really critical. And if 5G and AR and VR and all these other future technologies are going to help make that happen faster and cheaper, then I think it's a net positive for everyone. I agree. And I think there are applications to rail and that sort of thing. What's interesting, many of our viewers and listeners may not know this, but we've talked about WiMAX in the past. And as WiMAX hit its apex and then it was it was ramping down, one of the last ditch repositions pivots for WiMAX was around a very similar use case to allow pilots to download data and that sort of thing. I think it was more of like flight logs and that sort of thing, but certainly there was a tie to maintenance and the use case and the business outcome was exactly what you just described for 5G. So with 5G, you get a lot of functionality and capability that WiMAX just never possessed. Although WiMAX, that was something that existed many years ago, probably over a decade ago. But yeah, I think it's hugely, this use case is going to be huge and it's going to, it's going to improve safety and it's going to, it's also going to improve speed. And so when we experience these maintenance issues, a lot of times it's not, it's because it's not managed in real time. And boy, if 5G can do that for you and I and all the business travel that we do and reduce maintenance and equipment being taken, I would love that. So it'll be cool to see how that, how it progresses. But let's move to my third and final topic. And this is also related to the federal government. So your topic was a nice segue. So the U.S. General Services Administration or the GSA just this week published its acquisition guidance for procuring 5G technology. This is a 28-page federal agency guideline on how to make use of 5G. Now, what's interesting, our friend Mike Dana, like reading, I wrote this article up. Mike talks about that it doesn't specifically call out equipment suppliers or mobile network operators, but it does provide a plan and a guideline for what should be considered. No surprise, a big plug for Open RAN, but at the same time, the federal government states that federal agencies need to be careful with the respect of how. Networks are built, and these will be primarily private networks. And we've talked about deployments with the U.S. Marine Corps and other, yeah, and other private 5G deployments. But but it does obviously specify do not use Chinese suppliers like Huawei and ZTE. But I find it interesting that it was pointed out. That's not a surprise, just given what we're experiencing today what's happening in Ukraine and Russia with nation state cyber attacks. And I've been on the record as stating that I think this is one of the weaknesses of Open RAN, even though 5G new radio provides significant encryption improvements over LTE, whenever you disaggregate infrastructure, you're going to increase the threat surface and the likelihood for, for cyber attacks and, and that sort of thing. So and I think there needs to be more attention paid to this. I think this is also a huge opportunity. This week, I'm spending time with Fortinet at their Accelerate event. And yesterday during the keynotes, one of their executives pointed to 5G and security and IoT more broadly as an opportunity for the company. And I agree. I think this is an opportunity for 
of Fortinet or of Palo Alto Networks that is focused on operational technology environments to bring this to the forefront. But not sure if you caught it, but do you have any thoughts? Uh, in fact, I caught it so well that I almost <laughs> made it my topic last oh, week. Okay. Last minute. This is close. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I want to bore people with uh, GSA official 2018 right. documents about procurement. But what I took from this, because I actually tried to read the 28 page document or at least glance over each page. Oh, and see what, you're what a better, program. you're a better man than me. I didn't even go there. Mike provided the link. <laughs> that's, I think that's part of the reason why I did not chose not to do the talk. <laughs> but there are some interesting things. I actually think what's more interesting about the topic is, or the statement from the GSA, is where they have this guideline of like where they believe 5G technologies are best applied. So yeah. there were a series of applications, I'm not going to tell you, I remember what they were, but yeah. there were like government-based applications where this is where you should use 5G or this is a 5G appropriate application. So yeah. I think that's really good for educating the government on what should be 5G and what shouldn't be. Um, and to your point, there was a lot of talk about security, which I thought was really good. I was looking for the don't buy Huawei, don't buy these stuff. I didn't see any of that. But yeah. there definitely was a very clear nod to Open RAN, which works in the favor of a lot of U.S. companies. And yeah, I just think this is a good document to have because I think the GSA is seen as the guiding agency for procurement within the U.S. government. So Most what they say goes. And if you don't, then you get in trouble. I do think it's a good thing and it will ultimately benefit, I think, a lot of people in terms of both education and helping them to understand what what isn't okay in a government application. Yeah, I think you're spot on. The use cases are quite important. The hype cycle around 5G is big, right? It continues to be big, especially around private 5G and what it can do. But even in the enterprise in corporate America, there needs to be continual education on, okay, what where is it appropriate? Where is it best suited? Is it a replacement for Wi-Fi? And it certainly isn't. I think they're 5G and Wi-Fi are better together, but certainly in, you can think about the military use cases that we've talked about on this podcast. It's just good that this document provides a highlight of those. So other agencies that are just starting their journey with respect to considering a 5G deployment, they've got a best practice or a lesson learned that they can leverage there. But with that, let's move to your third and final topic, and we're going to provide our viewers and listeners a double shot on T-Mobile. You want to talk about Deutsche Telekom, and I did not catch this news, but apparently they've taken their majority stake in T-Mobile US, and you want to talk about that. Yeah, so this is from Mike Dano at Really Light Reading. Wow, I struggled with that one. Yeah, we're shouting out to Mike twice on this podcast, so we got to make sure that we tag him when we post it. Yeah, <laughs> this was something that I think a lot of people saw coming because Deutsche Telekom already owned 48% of T-Mobile US. And in fact, T-Mobile US exists because Deutsche Telekom made an investment a long time ago and yeah. has continued to make investments in T-Mobile. They are a publicly traded company, but Deutsche Telekom is able to benefit from its ownership of these shares. And yeah, they recently sold um, a billion $11 billion worth of their cell tower business last year. So they were obviously looking to park some of that somewhere that they yeah. saw would be a, give them some good returns. Yeah. And Deutsche Telekom has basically been increasing its stake in T-Mobile progressively over the last few years. In 2021, they increased it from 40 to 48. So they've been ratcheting up their investment, which is interesting because a few years ago, 
before T-Mobile's resurgence, there was talk about Deutsche Telekom selling T-Mobile. It's really interesting how things have turned around for T-Mobile. And obviously Deutsche Telekom is benefiting quite a bit from mobile's growth and their share price increase, because now T-Mobile is actually worth, a, as a company, $178 billion. Mm-hmm market cap, which actually, which is actually greater than Verizon and AT&T as well as Vodafone. Yeah. Uh, so they're basically the most valuable carrier in the world right now. And it's just really interesting because Deutsche Telekom, this is one of those situations where I think Deutsche Telekom's share of T-Mobile is probably worth more than Deutsche Telekom is now. That's um, crazy. Which yeah. is like the whole Yahoo Alibaba thing where Yahoo made such a big investment in Alibaba that their investment became more valuable than Yahoo itself was. <laughs> so anyways, I think this is not that big of a news, but it is interesting because technically now Deutsche Telekom does have a controlling stake, but I don't really think anything will really change, mostly because Deutsche Telekom seems to understand that T-Mobile US is doing the right thing, and I think they're moving in the right direction. And I will say, it does feel like the Deutsche Telekom T-Mobile closeness has grown. I think we saw a lot of that at MWC, because T-Mobile doesn't really have a booth at MWC. They kind of piggyback onto Deutsche Telekom. And it felt like the two companies are working much more closely now than they ever have, especially yeah. with the TIOT stuff yes. uh, and a lot of the other 5G advanced network technologies. I really think that this partnership is getting stronger. And now T-Mobile is technically owned by Deutsche Telekom, even though they were all, almost already there. Yeah, I agree with you. There are clearly some demonstrable synergies that we've seen. You mentioned the TIOT initiative. So that harmonizes the sell-through for IoT solutions. I think it's also going to benefit T-Mobile US's advanced network solutions by vertical. Deutsche Telekom has considerable lab and test capabilities we don't hear a lot about that from T-Mobile. They do have their experience center in Bellevue. They have opened a few other proof of concept labs, but not to the extent that say Verizon and TNT have done in the past. So I think all of that is going to come together quite nicely for the companies. And it would behoove Deutsche Telekom to allow T-Mobile to continue what they're doing not provide direction because obviously that team, they've been knocking it out of the park for the last several years. Yes, there'll be some transition. Now Ray will be moving on in the fall, but the company is in quite capable hands and the momentum is quite strong and it'll be fun to see how things continue for them. But it's been another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights for a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Tontek and I'm at Ansha Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. We'll also be skipping a week next week. So tune in two weeks when I'm back from vacation. And when I'm back from vacation, I'll be in Paris. And I think, Anshul, you're going on your honeymoon finally, right? I am, finally. All right, good. And I'll be on my anniversary. We got married about the same time. So thanks again, listeners and viewers, and we'll talk soon.